What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I'm your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad. It incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in a community, as well as intentionally serving your kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and most definitely messy stories. You guys are about to be rocked by this story from my friend, Matthew McCleary. This guy is a father, but he hasn't been able to live in the same country as his son for years. And he's also been separated from his wife. Is that a teaser or what? You're going to have to check out the full story from this incredible human being. If you like the story, please share it. I believe those who embrace fatherhood can truly change the world, but it is up to you and me to share it. And one way that you can help me do that is to write a review of this podcast on iTunes so that when parenting and fatherhood is searched, it comes to the top. Thank you and enjoy this story with my friend, Matthew. All right, here we go. Fatherhood Field Notes. I'm super pumped to be sitting here with Matthew McCleary. We're going to have a rad conversation today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm. Are we really good? Uh, you know, that's just what we say. That's what we say. So we're here. We're here. We're present. It's on. It's a Monday. It's Monday. We're making it work. Yes, that's about. That's about where we're at. All right, I'm going to blast a few questions okay. at you just so we can help the listeners get to know who's sitting in front of me. How old are you? I'm 30. 30. 30 Ooh, years old. Wow. Congratulations, man. Thank you. You made it. Yeah, I made it. <laughs> Where did you grow up? Because I, I don't know you very well, so I'm going to ask you yeah. a couple questions I don't yeah. even normally ask. Where'd you grow up? I uh, grew up in Elk Grove. If you oh, don't know it, it's so, in so the California. Sacramento, Sacramento okay. region. Yeah, I've been here all my life. Uh, and uh, yeah, EG. Woo. Nice. So did you move away for college or anything or everything yeah, local? Everything local. I went to UC Davis Okay. Uh, and kind of did the stay-at-home commute deal, uh, worked at home and uh, served at our, our church in okay. Elk Grove through college Okay. and um, stayed local. And, cool. And we've been open at different seasons in our family life to, you know, move in or taking jobs elsewhere, but we've, uh, we've stayed here. Okay. It's been good. Right on. Yeah. And you're married. I am married. How many to, years? Megan and I have been married for eight years. We okay. just celebrated eight years. So yeah. 22. Yeah. Yeah. She older or younger than She's you? She's older. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My wife's older than me too, so we're good there. <laughs> um, <laughs> my friend my friend Nick in high school, he would say we wanted to date the older girls because they, the older they were, the more experience they had. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Shout out to Nick. <laughs> um, okay. So married eight years. So got married young, 22. Yeah. My wife will say maybe uh, that that she was fooled because she never thought that I was that young. And she says, mm. I, I don't know, you're, 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 not to uh, pump myself up here, but she always said I was more mature than the other guys that, we, that were around. But Probably not hard to do, huh? A lot I, of guys are idiots. Yeah. yeah. Especially <laughs> 21, age, yeah, 22. Oh, shoot. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. I got married. I turned 21 six days before. Seriously? We got married. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So you could drink at your wedding. Yeah, but I, I didn't <laughs> because I was lame then. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either. So Okay. Well, yeah. I have five kids now, so I drink beer. <laughs> Um, is that a you have kids the, the beer starts I, coming i don't know i don't know if that's a good thing i don't i don't think i have a problem but my mom might say differently all right so married eight years and how many kids do you have we have one one, one. 
Our son is six. His okay. name is Enoch. Okay. And uh, we adopted him. Uh, yeah, so, and that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Okay, so we'll get into that in yeah. a little bit about the adoption and where we're at with that. Okay, so married kids, what do you do for a living? I'm a youth pastor at a church here in Auburn, Gold Country Church. Uh, you know it now. Yep, my kids are in the youth group. You have amazing kids. I get to hang You're out with them every that. week. <laughs> I mean, amazing and very sassy. Oh, yeah. Okay, you're speaking of uh, one in particular. Got mm, it. Almost all of them to different <laughs> degrees, but... <laughs> nice. Um, cool. So, youth pastor, yep. married, kids, fatherhood. What would you say has been the best resource mm. to you as you've been a father to your son? Yeah, and, and we'll get into kind of our story and, yeah. and what fatherhood has looked like in very unique circumstances for us. Um, but I, I, as I thought about this and what has been great resources for me, for what, what came to mind over and over again was those different mentors in my life, mm. and specifically just uh, fathers and men in different seasons. Uh, you know, I've spent time. Uh, under under guys who have teenagers and watching yep. them be dads to their teens, and uh, but I've got a, a guy I'm meeting with every week right now, and he's got young kids that are closer to age of Enoch, and so I'm just watching him and learning from him, and hearing about what fatherhood is for for him and his family, and so it's just that different seasons, different mentors, um, and that's been really valuable, just because yeah. it is the that practical what we're doing right now, having conversations about fatherhood. And that's just uh, been really huge for me. Yeah, it's so important because if you think about it, so many of our conversations, like if I just think of today, you know, meetings for work, it's like you're trying to get something done. You kind of have your own agenda. You're showing up. Whereas if you really pause and have a conversation with somebody where you're just kind of open to where it goes, I mean, there's so much we can be that can be gained from others and especially doing life with people who are a little bit ahead of you. Yeah. It's, it's critical and we don't do that enough. Um, but I think that the more people I talk to who are moving towards growth in their life, that's Mm -hmm. definitely a practice that they all have. So cool. Yeah. It's a good. And I think just that being intentional, okay, we're going to have a conversation about this, right? Because, uh, if, 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 if we're not intentional, it's, we'll, we'll talk about other things. We'll just hang out. Um, but, but to set aside some time, it's okay. I've got questions. I want to learn. And that's been really key for me. So how do you find a mentor? So if like somebody's listening to this, what's something that you would do to say, hey, like how the guy you're meeting with now, how do you strike it up where you're going to meet with him once a week? Yeah. So he, uh, so with, with this guy, uh, someone referred me to him Hmm. uh, and and he has a ministry where he kind of meets with pastors and church leaders and uh, just kind of does mentoring for for guys in different stages and seasons. And uh, I I didn't know him until a friend said, hey, you got to talk to Kyle. He's great. Okay. Um, uh, But otherwise, I mean, it's just kind of looking at the men and fathers that are in my life that are around um, and and really just seeking them out, seeking time. I mean, sometimes you you might want to do that formal, hey, can we try this mentoring thing right. on a on a temporary basis and trial, you know, see how it works. Uh, but sometimes it's just saying yes to opportunities to, right. to be around men that you look up to, and, yeah. and that's something that I've done a lot of is just saying yes a lot. Yeah, that's good. Right on. All right, when you think about the role of the father as you're stepping into this role, and it's been unique for you, which we're going to mm-hmm. get into. What would you define the role of the father as? Oh well, I have no idea. <laughs> The, the, you asked me this question. You sent this to me yeah. at the time. 
And I thought about this for days. And I just, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I could talk for an hour about what the role of a father is, but to succinctly put it, it, it to define that, I, I just, it seems so, uh, I don't know. It's hard. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a totally random question. Yeah. What's the role of the mother? Oh. Uh, see, this is okay. Unfair. So you pause. No, I know. This. But yeah. I guess my question mm-hmm. is: Do you think it's easier to define for it's the mother? It's probably easier to define for the mother. But you were still, you were still yeah. like, because uh, yeah. you didn't know that question was coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. So I guess my but, thought but is: words like nurturing and, and caretaker, those things come to mind. Um, and I just don't think we have exactly the, the, the handlebars for fatherhood yeah. in culture. Uh, those, those words that immediately come to mind for motherhood um, are, are not as, as prevalent, I think. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that really came to my mind for fatherhood was this idea of, of creating and shaping culture in a family. And, and that's been kind of key for my family and in kind of some odd ways. And we'll talk about it. But um, is, is I, I think... Uh, often, this was in my home and, and families that I see, uh, everyone kind of takes their cue from from dad, uh, whether he's being intentional about it or not. And uh, the way that a father interacts with their kids, interacts with his his wife, uh, I think sets a tone, it's creating culture. And it's it's these tiny daily things that we do or don't do. Um, and and my my kind of goal and my kind of as I see and consider fatherhood as to what are the intentional things that I can do to build culture in my family? Man, I think it's huge. I think you're right in saying that the, the father sets the tone yeah. in the house, yeah. uh, sets the culture, you know, and that's a big responsibility. I think a lot of times we just fully turn it over to our spouse because yeah. when our kids come around, I think because there aren't those handlebar, like you said, those real, this is what a dad does. Yeah. I think naturally we go, well, I got hands and I can work. So that's what mm, I'm going to do. Yeah. And so we kind of put our head down and get into that and, and can miss the opportunity to build culture just because nobody told us it was okay. Yeah. Like nobody invited us mm. in. And then it also depends on the culture that was maybe set for you, yeah. whether it shut you down or inspired you. Yeah. You know, so what, what would you say the culture was like that, that you experienced? In my own home. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's a... I, I look back at my childhood, my upbringing, and, and it's a lot of posit- positive thoughts. It's a lot of positive associations. But there is a, a kind of a lack of connection, mm. emotional connection between uh, just us as a family. So I have one sibling, one brother. He's younger than me and, and, and our parents. And just kind of a, a emotionally more cold household. And it's funny, my brother and I will talk about this often. We have friends. We had friends growing up, and we'd look at them and 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 just things like that. Family has dinner together every night, and we didn't do that. And that was we're we're envious. Mm. That's something we wanted. We longed for that. And and I I don't you know I don't know that that I would think about that. Oh, do my kids want to eat dinner with me every night? You know, right? Uh, but as a teenager, I remember wanting that mm. and never expressed that. Uh, uh, I don't know how how well I could have articulated it at the time. I was like, you know, 13-year-old boy, whatever. Yeah, but uh, interesting that, you know, to go even at a 13-year-old boy, like that would be important. Yeah. You know, because you'd ask my kid, you know, now and whatever you're going to set in your home and my kid, my kid said it the other night. Yeah. Okay, so we, we definitely have Wednesday night family night mm-hmm. because there's like sports and yeah. youth groups and different things like that. But the other night we're like, all right, we're all going to sit down for dinner and 
I think it was my youngest. We have family night every night, you know, <laughs> but because they don't know. Yeah. Right. They don't know the difference of, hmm. of that they're being shaped culturally yeah. by that routine yeah. in a positive way, whether mm-hmm. they know it. And that's like, that's, it's hard. You know, you really have to plan that out to make that happen. It's yeah. hard, but it's a simple thing that a dad could set that culture. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much you make yeah. or what you're eating for dinner. Yeah. It could be top ramen or it could be steaks. Yeah. You could be doing that. Yeah. And even just once a week, like that would be powerful yeah. for, for kids. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. That's good. So, um, one of the things you said too. Um, just, you know, in answering the questions was creating the culture and then also teaching stewardship. Yeah. And that's been just a really big word for me lately is like, I have resources Mm. and I need to be a good steward with them. Like, how am I spending my time, my energy and my money? And how are my kids seeing me do that? Yeah. You know, because the way I spend that shows them what matters most to me. Yeah. I think a lot of times we focus on money. We don't think about time. Yeah or energy. I think stewardship for me also is the, how are you steward, stewarding the role that you have mm-hmm. itself? We, as fathers, that's a big role. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of our conversation today has been this idea of intentionally being aware of that Yeah, and saying, okay, I, I, there's this season that we have where our kids are our kids. Yeah. And how are we going to steward that uh, with and for them with our spouse. Yeah. Cause they're not going to be here living in your house forever. They're yeah. always going to be your kid, but you definitely only have a certain amount of time for certain stages. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I've gotten to gotten really into with a, with a mentor of what is, what is our, what does my son need? You know, when he's three versus mm. what does he need when he's six from yep. me as a dad. Yep. And I don't know that. I just, I have our first kid. I don't know. Uh, we're just kind of stumbling along as we go. Yeah. Uh, but learning from him, this guy who's got three adult guy, adult sons now. Right. And, and, and just that wisdom, I, I think. So now Enoch is six and he needs something different from me right. than he did when, when he was three. Right. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, the podcast is called Fatherhood Field Notes, which we're starting to Mm -hmm. do. Just opening up your field notes or get your story. The mantra behind it is rebel and create. And it could be as simple as I'm rebelling against being on my phone at the dinner table so that I can create family dinner night. Or I'm rebelling against this status quo of what I thought a man was so that I can create this family that I desire. Mm Um, what is something that you are rebelling against and yeah. what do you hope to create out of that? Yeah. And, and so this kind of rebel question, I, I kind of touched on this a few minutes ago, but part of what I'm rebelling against is just some of those cultural touchstones of my own family yeah. and upbringing, the, the emotional distance, the lack of connection. I love my family, but, uh, but the, the memories are, are kind of what I described. We didn't have a lot of family time. We didn't have, there, there wasn't a lot of affection for mm-hmm. one another. And we, we joke that uh, every time we went out to dinner, it was an opportunity to just make fun of dad, which, you know, if we, you know sometimes <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> uh, but, but, but that wasn't also seasoned with love and affection uh, that clearly. And so I'm, I'm rebelling against that and really hoping to create a, a family that connection emotional health, emotional, yeah. uh, closeness is, is really a value. And, um, just that, that create, create a family where we want to spend time with each other. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Because as we get in your story, it's like, 
the struggle you're having to do that with yeah. is just now it's like, okay, how am I going to do this? So one thing you said that I thought was really powerful in it is that you wanted to create because they're not used, you know, emotional yeah. connection, family, yeah. something you said, just a very simple word. You wanted to create a safe yeah. environment or yeah. a safe place. Yeah. One of the other things that I uh, am kind of rebelling against uh, that, that isn't so much about me. So our son, Enoch, he's adopted. He is from Ghana mm-hmm. in West Africa. And uh, we kind of came into his life full time when he was three, just turned three. And... Uh, and, and I don't want to speak about, you know, big, the culture of the country as a whole or the region, the continent, anything like that. I'm speaking about very specifically the particular culture of the, the children's home that he grew up in, the, the, the small village that he's from. And, and we've, you know, we, we've been with him for, for years now. And so we're very attuned to some of those cultural specific uh, touchstones. And a lot of it is... Uh, kind of a, a, a teasing, mean-spirited mm. culture where, uh, you know, if you're older, then you get to make fun of the younger. And that is just a rite of passage. And, uh, you know, it's kind of more physically bullying, but also uh, just just very uh, verbally uh, uh, taking taking each other down, uh, put-downs all the time. Yeah. And, and when we first met Enoch... You know, he was he was two when we first met him, and really when he was three, he was so afraid to do anything that anyone would perceive as foolish. Mm. And like three year olds, yeah, they dance, they sing, they're making silly faces, and he didn't want to do any of that because he did not want anyone to laugh at him because that was just so, so a part of that that small community yeah. was. That's what you did. And it was mean. You know, it was not a haha. This is this is cute, funny, but this is you're you're being silly or foolish, funny. And so we, we watched this little three-year-old boy who's so sweet, just did not want to uh, go, not because he wasn't comfortable. You, you could see he wanted to do these things, but because he was afraid. He was yeah. afraid of being made fun of. And so one of the things that we've worked hard to do is create a, a culture in our family where it's safe to, to kind of be foolish, to, to be yeah. fun and silly and, and to... You know, and and to mess up, to to fail in in small ways and and big ways, and we're not gonna we're not gonna put each other down. We're not gonna make fun of each other for that. And 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 we've definitely seen growth in him in that. You know, he's six now, and he he will dance anywhere, nice. anywhere. There's music. He is he is dancing. And he's a little Ghanaian boy, so he's got moves. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man. As you're as you're saying all that, I just think even in our own culture everything's a joke for so much, you know, where we can be criticized. Mm. We, we don't, you know, we get made fun of at school. Now there's so much bullying on the internet. Yeah. So our students and, and our children really get, get that a lot in school. And then everything we watch for the most part is like kind of silly. Right. Yeah. So as you're sharing that, I think, The opportunity a dad has to create a safe place in the home. Yeah. That's how it should be. Yeah. When 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 your spouse or your kids walk through that door, whatever they had at work or at school or whatever, it should be able to just be all shaken off yep. and come and lay on the couch and one hundred percent be yourself. Yeah. You know, and, and that there's a hundred percent acceptance. Yeah. And so I think what a challenge to us dads mm. to really think. Am I overly critical? Do I say mm. something about everything? Do I joke about my kid always spelling 
That's yeah. an example, yeah. right? Like our daughter Presley would spill at the dinner table. So it was like it became a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's not dinner time until you spill. Yeah. And right. Then, and then it's that question: How are they internalizing? Oh that? yeah. Then then she's gonna spill more. Yeah. And then she just thinks of herself this way and views. Yeah. And it's like, you can't do that at home. Yeah. That, you know. So we had to break that. You know, and tell her it's just an accident, and yeah. think about our responses. So, anyways, I just love that idea of asking ourselves as a father: Am I creating a safe place yeah. for yeah. my kid? And, and I'm talking about something specific to his culture. Yeah. But in a broader way, it's exactly what you said. We do this stuff all the time. Right. And and so we're just like, how can we, I want my son's personality to be exactly what it is. Right. And not feel like he has to hide parts of it or yep. repress parts of it. And that's what I feel. So, I mean, yeah, because three is young for that. You yeah. know, like here, I think we all go mm, sixth grade. Yeah. That's where it starts <laughs> to suck is sixth grade. Um, but you think, man, three years old, that's so, so young. And then you have to be the one to change that. Yeah. So let's get into this, man. Yeah. So let's get into this story of where you're at right mm-hmm. now. It's Monday mm-hmm. and you're flying to go see your son Thursday, Thursday, Thursday morning. Yeah. But let's back it up. Yeah. Like, okay, you, you met him at two years old, mm-hmm. adopted him at three mm-hmm. and... Yeah, so we adopted him July of 2017. Legally, officially, we became his parents according to the law of Ghana. And uh, my wife, Megan, she traveled in September of 17. Uh, We had an interview with the U.S. Embassy in Ghana for his visa so he could come here and become a citizen because that's part of, if you're not familiar with international adoption, part of the international adoption visa program is that the the child of the American family becomes a U.S. citizen upon arrival. Mm. And that's pretty key to the adoption process uh, internationally. And so uh, Megan went to Ghana in uh, September of 17. Uh, we had a visa interview. The, at that point, the program was pretty smooth. Uh, you had a visa interview on a Monday, Friday, the visa was printed. You were on a plane on Saturday to come home. And so she went, I was, she was just desperate to be with her son. She's like that mama heart. I got to be with him. And I flew out a couple of weeks later and the U S embassy said, Hey, we can't give you a visa right now. It's going to be up to a few weeks. We got to do some processing, whatever, whatever. And so we kind of had to make this decision or we, you know, we had pulled him out of the orphanage, the children's home. So we had full custody of him. So she point. shows up a couple weeks before you yeah. goes and gets Enoch mm-hmm. out, yep. is expecting just to chill for a couple of weeks. Yep. You show up. Hey guys, sorry, you can't get the visa yet. Yep. So she's in a hotel. So she was in kind of some, uh, it was a family compound near the children's home okay. where a okay. lot of European uh, volunteers stayed. So it was kind of volunteer housing and that's kind of how she was treated, but she had this little boy with her Yeah, and, uh, and it, it, they were connected with the children's home. So there was some very neat uh, family connections there and all of that. And he got to be close to all of those kids that he had been with at the home. Right. So he could go and hang yeah. out with them or whatever. And they would do that. Uh, so yeah, the U S embassy said, uh, be up to a few weeks and we had to make this decision. Are we going to go home, leave. And if we do that, we have to put him back in this home. And he's three. And it was it's a very, it's a great children's home. Uh, but at the time, Enoch was, um, you know, he was uh, this just this three-year-old, just, you know, developing what what is the world and who are these people right. that I've met once. I don't know if I remember them. And now I'm spending all this time with them. And so the decision was, do we... we go home for a few weeks, put him back in the children's home, or do we just hang for a few weeks? We can do that. So that's what we did. Uh, I ended up coming home a few weeks later for work and Megan stayed 
And then uh, November comes and they said, hey, we're going to put you under administrative review. We're going to go through everything. We have to investigate. Uh, so I'd been about two months at that point. So a couple of weeks turns into two months. And when they told us uh, in November, we're going to put you under review, they said, again, up to a few weeks. And then we didn't hear anything for two years. Um, and you're going in and I mean, you're doing everything you can think of to everything. get in there and talk to them and yeah, just yeah. silence. Yeah, nothing. So part of what uh, happened is they did just a full investigation into our case. There had been some uh, instances of child trafficking in Ghana uh, that some people were using adoption as a vehicle for that. Mm. Um, and, and from what we kind of know and understand and, and, and have learned, the American families, they had no idea of the, the trafficking. And it wasn't associated with the community that our son is from. It was a different region of the country altogether. But um, th- th- it was an issue. So everything got shut down and they had to do these big investigations to make sure there was no none of that. And who's doing the investigation? That was uh, the U.S. Embassy in okay. conjunction with local authorities. Got it. And... So they, you know, they just go and they interview people and they do the whole, the whole deal. So you leave. Yeah. And then Megan stays. And Megan stays. And then because she doesn't want to put Enoch back in the home and yeah. come home and wait. Yeah. And because we're expecting this to be a few weeks. Like So then, but then how does it keep going? Like it's always just a few weeks. And now yeah. you, I mean, now you said then it was two years. Yeah. So, I mean... When we were in in that review, we were getting like whispers of, okay, they finished the investigation. Oh, they interviewed so and so, so that means they're they're making progress. And we we talked to someone. Oh, it's going to be done in the next couple of months. So I mean, at, at every turn, and because people have asked, well, why you know why haven't you just moved there? And the answer is, I, I wish I had. I wish we had mm. had better information, uh, but. We made the best decisions we could have made with the information yeah. that we had. Yeah. The information was crap uh, at every turn, really. But uh, and, and to say that I regret not moving there, I don't know if that's fair. I mean, like I said, I think we made the okay decisions for what we knew at the time. Yeah. But um, I ended up just going back and forth, visiting every every couple months. Um, and and at, at really, at any turn, we, we knew we could be weeks away from a visa. Um, and we'd seen, we actually saw another family get a visa. They were adopted from the same home, different circumstances, but they got one. About the same time and they got the visa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, they've come home. And they've How come long home. ago was that? Oh, too long. <laughs> it was yeah. about two years. So two years, yeah, it's been two years now that they've been home. Uh, yeah. So they were just getting under this for about a year then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, and they, and they, and that family, uh, interesting to they they had moved there um so mom was there for a while and then dad joined at the very tail end of things now megan's been there the whole time megan's been there the whole time has she come back at all she hasn't come back at all we we, we wouldn't have an option for enoch um anyone else to watch him there or anything like that i've been um 11 times since she's been there uh, back and forth uh, so i've got a lot of frequent flyer miles <laughs> um but uh, Dude, we, that's heavy, bro. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, you're just telling me the story because you probably have had to tell 100 yeah. people already or more. Yeah. Um, so next time, just tell them to listen to this so okay. you don't yeah. have to tell them again. <laughs> that's good. We're finally recording it. Yeah. Dude, that, I mean, think like it's been September 2017. Yeah. We're in September 2020. Yeah. Three years? Yeah. Be three years in a couple of weeks. And you've seen your wife 11 times. Yeah. Yeah. It's been hard. And your son, yeah. 11 times. And when we, 
I mean, yeah, it's been really hard. I mean, that's just the reality. It's been hard. How? Okay, keep going, and then I'm yeah, going to yeah, ask yeah. you some questions. So, what else? What else to share about the? I mean, the overall. Like, where are you at now? Yeah. So, so where we're at now? About a year ago. Um, yeah, November of nineteen. Uh, we finally got some advocacy within the State Department and State and the Office of Children's Issues. They kind of oversee from the United yeah, States. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, you, because we've been waiting on the U.S. Embassy. Got it. So State got involved. They said, "Hey, the embassies, you, you guys have had this case too long. Like, you got they, they kind of put new rules in place for, for adoptions na- internationally. Um, so the embassy gave up our case, but it wasn't an approval because they had been waiting on some documents, some other investigations to close. And so I said, fine, we'll give you what, what we got. And January of this year, I was there. That was the last time I was there was in January of 2020. And we got news that our case still wasn't quite right. But it's it, you, basically, we have one shot to submit any evidence that we can and make our final case. So we got the best adoption lawyer in the United States. She, I called her up as soon as I landed in an SFO. I mean, it was, it was tough news to get while I was there. This was... The day before I was going to get on a plane to come home, I'd been there for three and a half weeks or something with my family, and we just enjoyed being together. And when together. was this? This was January of this year. Okay, January of yeah. this year. You were there for three and a half yeah, weeks. I was there for three and, and what half was the, weeks. the news was we only have one shot? The, the news was we're going to deny you unless you can come up with this the, this evidence. Unless you can, And we had it all. So we, we felt okay about it, but still... Yeah, it's it, gnarly. It's it, like we it's, just have one shot. It's random. Why are you going to throw my whole case out? Yeah. And, and so it's, you know... We can't approve you. We're going to deny you've got 30 days or whatever to prepare your response. And it was like, this was a Sunday in Ghana. I had nobody I could call. No, you know, Sunday here, everything's closed. And I had to get on a plane the next day and I was going to leave, not knowing the next time I was going to see my family and not knowing what the resolution for our case was going to be. Good gosh, dude. Those goodbyes must have been freaking brutal. That was hard. That was 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 probably our, our hardest goodbye. And Enoch... He was five. He, he, his birthday is in February. He, he's old enough where it is really affecting for him. Yeah. And um, and I, we've been at it long enough where he he we have this we have a really meaningful relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I landed in San Francisco the like, two days later, and within two minutes had this phone call with this lawyer, and she's she was oh, I'm, I'm going to take your case. We're going to kick their asses for what they've done to you. And I'm like, well, I found the right lady. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we we put everything together, and I mean, it was some of the evidence that we were able to get. It was a miracle that it happened, and we got it all together. And that has been under review since February. Something that can take a few weeks or a few months, and the global pandemic hit, and everything slowed Yikes. down. Yeah. And so that's uh, that's not quite where we're at right now. In June of this year, we got word that uh, U.S. immigration, here, based here in the states, they had finished their review of everything, and they had uh, were just waiting on verification of some of the documents that we had provided uh, by the U.S. embassy because the U.S. embassy in Ghana they are the ones that have the authority. They're equipped to mm. look at these documents from this foreign government and say whether or not they're legit. And everything that we're hearing is, if they're looking for verification, that's a really good sign. They wouldn't they wouldn't bother trying to get verification if they were going to deny you. Got it. So this is the last kind of step. But the embassy has been closed because of COVID. And nobody sent their request to the embassy all summer. And just a week ago today, 
uh, we finally got, again, advocacy from state. State departments got involved and they said, okay, what's going on? They helped make the connection. Our paperwork is now moved back to the U.S. Embassy. They're doing a final verification. And it could be, I mean, they're still technically closed, but they are working. Um, and we are just hoping and praying that in the next couple of weeks, we we know that they've verified the documents and we can get approval to get them home. Gnarly. So that's where we're at now. We're feeling hopeful, excited. Um, but this, you know, this last seven, eight months have been tough. Uh, just borders closed because yeah. of the pandemic. So you couldn't even go see them if you wanted to. And, and how recently did it open up where you're able to schedule going this week? It's going to open tomorrow. Oh, got you. <laughs> they, have, so, they have not been open yet. Yeah. And then so you, it was announced that it would be open tomorrow, mm-hmm. I don't know, weeks ago? Yeah, a couple weeks ago. And so then you just bought a plane yeah, ticket. So yeah. you just watch it every day waiting mm-hmm. for it to open. Yep. And then they did, they finally confirmed yesterday um, on August 30th that September 1st is the day. Um, so we know they're opening tomorrow, uh, and I'm just kind of scrambling now. We're trying to put some, put together some things. Uh, I had, I, uh, you asked me how I was doing. I, I said good, but also I've had two COVID tests today. So they're shoving things up my nose. Yeah. All the day. one where they touch your brain with yeah, a stick. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> because I have to have a, a negative test and all of that, um, just to be able to get there. And so it's this, this has been a, a lot of work to be able to get there, but I haven't seen my family in eight months so we're gonna get some good family time yeah yikes and then the hope is which is the hope that you've experienced multiple times yeah. already yeah is that you're all gonna come home together yeah yeah yikes yeah so what are what are the questions that people have asked you that frustrate you the most a so that i don't ask you those yeah and then b just to understand like the emotional state that one goes into yeah. being separated because of circumstances that are, I mean, yeah, a handful of people have yeah. experienced. Yeah. I'll give you a couple. First one, uh, people always ask me what kind of food they eat and like in the midst of this conversation, <laughs> and what kind of food does man eat? It's like, it's normal stuff. They have a, they they live by a mall. Yeah, you know it's we have these images of you know Africa and all oh, of that. Africa is going to be like, yeah, uh, that one's kind of funny. the The other ones are uh, so so. Do you get to talk to your wife very often? And and I get people are actually curious, but I think some people have this idea that Megan and I just don't get to talk or connect hmm. ever. And and the reality is we're on the phone together four or five hours a day. And four or five hours a day, you're on the phone with each other. Yeah. Yeah. You know, an hour here in the morning, hour in the afternoon. She's seven hours ahead. Um, time. I don't know that I talk to my wife that much in a day. And that's kind of what we joke. We say we probably <laughs> talk to each other more than a lot of couples we know. <laughs> because we take it for granted and we're just doing our routine. Yeah. I mean, but, but also when I'm in Ghana, when I'm, I'll be, I'll be there for a few weeks when I'm there with her. We don't talk very much, right? Right. You know, because we're just there in each other's presence. You're there together. We're doing life, right? We're you know whatever it is, um, spending time with our son. We're cooking meals together. All of that. Um, where the only thing we have right now is conversation. The only right. thing we can do is talk, and so we we just do it. Interesting. What's the time difference? Seven hours. So she's seven hours ahead. So we've got this very weird rhythm. I wake up. We talk for a bit as I'm getting ready for my day. They go to bed at one in the afternoon. California time and she'll go to bed with Enoch 
at, at, it's like eight, eight o'clock at night, which right. is, I think, early for most, you know, 30-something adults. Yeah, but it's reasonable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some days for me, I think, eight, eight, it's not so bad. Yeah. Um, and then she'll sleep for a while, wake up in the middle of the night, and then we'll talk for a couple hours, and she'll go back to sleep for a few more hours. Okay, so she'll go to sleep, and then she'll wake up and talk. Yeah, and then it's like evening time And are you here. FaceTiming? Or? No, we just do audio. We, Interesting. You know. um, I, I FaceTime with the two of them a couple times a day, and... Uh, you know, I love my son and he loves me, but get trying to get him to do a nice, productive FaceTime call. Ooh, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. Six years old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm ready to do something else. What are ways that you have... I, I want to ask in what ways you've kept your marriage mm-hmm. uh, solid like right you're telling me you're talking on the phone yeah and i i mean i'd almost think at some level your connection because you've been intentional about it is pretty deep yeah it's a someone someone asked me i don't know six months ago or so how's your marriage doing and i i said honestly my marriage is the best thing i got going for me right Mm. now and and i i answered it honestly and that was what came to mind as soon as this guy asked but uh, I kind of reflected on that comment and I was like, I, yeah, I think that's true. And I think part of it is the connection that we have and that we're forced into that. We're forced to just be able to uh, be in conversation and be, be talking, be encouraging each other. Be, you know, I talk through my day. She talks through hers. Um, you know, we, we've had to be creative. What, what are the ways that we can stay connected? So you know, we, she, she has, she has Netflix in Ghana. I've got Netflix here. We're, we're watching shows together. We'll nice. talk about it. You know, stuff we would do here. Right. Um, but that we can't do with each other. And so we're figuring it out and that's kind of a silly thing, but it, it does help us. No, I don't think it's, I don't think it's silly at all. I think that us dudes who are here with our wife every single day yeah. or our kids every single day yeah. can go, Oh man, I need to dig in and be intentional because yeah. you chose to be intentional with your situation. Yeah. Not like, all right, I'll talk to you next Monday Yeah. because how easy would it be for you guys just to drift? Yeah. If you just said, you know, once a week we get on the phone and we chat and you just go in about your life. Yeah. I mean, I'd almost, it's like some people might think it's excessive, Yeah. right? Where, yeah. where you're at, but you've put it in such an intentional state that I go, man, do I set aside time mm. to really, other than like a weekly or every other week yeah. or every three week date <laughs> with my wife, yeah. right? Yeah. Where we're really just talking yeah. about how was your day? No, really, how was your day? Because yeah. you're on the phone. It's not like, hey, how was your day? And then I'm doing the dishes yeah. and she's oh, making well, something or whatever. Though sometimes I do the dishes while we talk and it drives her crazy. Yeah, because so the, the clattering. Yeah, it's the clattering. You know, one, one of the things that I think about too is and this this kind of happened organically just because of our situation, especially um, at first where we really needed to be talking to each other all the time because the I mean the stress and anxiety has been oh gosh high all Huge. the time. You know, somebody asked me or it was, it was a group and we were talking about COVID and the pandemic. So how's your guys' stress level with all of this? And I'm like, I don't know. My my baseline has been pretty high the yeah. last couple mm-hmm. of years, so I'm fine. Um, but so what I was saying is what happened organically was I started to build my daily schedule around making sure I carved out this time throughout the day to talk to Megan. And so, you know, I'm a youth pastor. I'm, I'm in ministry. If I have a, 
been meeting with a guy on Wednesday nights. If I'm meeting with him on Wednesday nights, that's going to be in the middle of my my usual time to talk to Megan. So I'll take a couple hours later in the afternoon and we'll just have a conversation. I'll call her. We'll wait. She's up. And, and we just adjust. Um, instead of, oh, something's come up. We can't talk today. I adjust the whole thing. You know, I've got friends that I have dinner with every Tuesday and they say, they know, you know, from 4.30 to 6.30, 5, 5 to 6.30, that's what I'm talking to Megan. Uh, and so they say, don't come over until at least 6.30. Mm. Like, but they know that because I share that with them. Right. And, and they're really, they love, you know, being able to respect that boundary and encouraging me to keep up that uh, with my wife. And so it's a, even that question of how do we engage that with our, with our broader circles? Uh, just how, how are we encouraging each other to stay connected with our spouses, to stay connected with our families? And I, I love that support I get from, from those friends. Yeah. Oh, man, it's so huge. Like you said this statement, um, you build your schedule around making sure you're connected. Yeah. You are forced to. Yeah. Right? And again, it's like sometimes we need to hear the gnarly story to go, dang. Yeah. Hold up. What am I doing? How yeah. have I let my schedule just get taken over by somebody else yeah. or by something else because I haven't set things in motion where it's like I have coffee every day this time with my wife. Yeah. I I have a date every night this night no matter what's going on. Yeah. Cuz at your point your wife's around the world yeah. and no matter what's going on you're going to have that conversation cuz there needs to be this check-in like yeah. there's this high stress high you know but I think a lot of us are just used to whatever stress we have yeah. and then the day just happens. Yeah. But we'll schedule dentist appointments mm-hmm. we'll schedule doctor appointments we'll schedule the dm we'll, like yeah. stupid stuff that we have to do right we yeah. would say we would say yeah but ned those we have to do yeah. how much more important is your long-term relationship with your kids and your wife than those other things yeah. Yeah. right yeah man so you saying you built your life around making sure you had that yeah. i think is critical for dads to hear yeah. don't let yourself get into where you're yeah your marriage is so rocky that mm-hmm. you might be looking at a divorce yeah. or your kids don't dig on you because you haven't spent time, like build yeah. your life around that yeah. so that you can have what you want. I mean, I hate the situation that you're in <laughs> to, to teach these things yeah. or learn these things. So then what does it look like when they come here? Huh. Like, I mean, I mean, first off I, I get that there's just this like <sighs> relief, like you're just hugging yeah. the sand, right? You, you swam across yeah. the ocean and you're here. Um, but thinking about like how does your role change? How do you how do you keep that that intentionality, that relationship? How do you dig in more with Enoch? Like yeah. those got to be thoughts that maybe you had a year ago. Yeah, you know, and it, maybe it's even too hard to think about. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and someone asked me that uh, last week. Mm. Well, they must be a pretty smart person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was that question of. What are you looking forward to? What's the expectation? Yeah. How's, how are things going to be different? And, and my mind goes to exactly what we've been talking about, where my whole daily routine and rhythm and everything is going to change. And I have no idea what that's going to be like. And I, I'm excited because it's going to be a relief. It's going to be, uh, you know, I don't know what it means to uh, have a, uh, a work day where I uh, am carving out time in the middle of a work day to talk to my wife. And, you know, I adjust my schedule and we make that work, but like normal work hours without that, not that it's, it's not an interruption now. It is what it is. It's the way I'm connecting with my family, but uh, a a normal daily routine where I don't have to think about 
the calculation of what's seven hours ahead for my family mm. and what are they doing? And okay, it's it's eleven, so it's dinner time. It's eleven in the morning, so it's dinner time over there right now. So I shouldn't call. You know, all of that is going to go away. All of that stuff disappears. And 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 I am. I, we've had conversations, and I have had to be uh, thoughtful about not just getting into this very passive. We're home. It's great. Let's. You know, so that's a thought in your head already yeah. is like, I want to be aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's going to be much, so much different. Right. And, um, yeah, I have nothing more to say on that. Yeah. Cut that bit out. No, that's good. Okay. Yeah. No, it's, it's something to be aware of is like, we all fall into routine. Yeah. Especially if life is easy, mm-hmm. which sucks because when we're in the struggle, yeah. none of us want the struggle. No. But we always look back at the struggle and see how we grew from it. But it's so hard for us not to become passive as dudes and just get caught up. Hmm. What's your expectation when you and Enoch have more time together? You know, like we're talking about the work day and being around them, but it's like, all right, now you've had this relationship where you've hung out 11 times or more, you know, I guess when you went over to do the adoption and... Your wife has this relationship with Enoch yeah. and, and then now it's going to be you're stepping into like, okay, I want to navigate what my role is. And Megan, what does this look like? How do I come alongside you and, and be a dad to Enoch yeah. in the day to day? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Cause I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be so much different. I'm excited. Um, it, you know, it's, uh, this kind of answers this a little bit. One of the things that comes to mind of what's what's going what's going to be different when they're home yeah. is um, it, it's a different environment. It's a different in, in every single way. I mean, we're going to be in our home, right? Yeah, and it's going to be Enoch's room, not whatever hotel or apartment that they happen. to So, be have they moved at. around a lot? Uh, a few times. Um, the last year has been a little bit more since the pandemic. They've been in one spot, okay. which has been good, and it's a great location. But you know, w- when I would visit, they'd come from the village to the capital and pick me up, and then we'd go stay at like an Airbnb in the capital city for three weeks while I was there, nice. rather than going back to the village. But that's not home. That's right. not the the space that we're comfortable with. Right. And. Um, and, and that's what I'm looking forward to is just having that home base where we're really, truly, we're comfortable here yeah. and how that's going to change and be different because we're constantly thinking about this is someone else's space. This is someone else's stuff, furniture, that kind of stuff. Enoch, don't jump on that. He can jump on my couch all he wants. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to go crazy. <laughs> um, and, and it's that stuff too, that we've been, we've been sharing with him uh, you know, stories about our neighborhood, where we live, uh, the things that he'll see when we go on walks, the, the things that we can do in our town, um, that he's never experienced. And we've been talking about it for three years. He's probably tired of it at this point. Um, and probably doesn't even think it's real, Yeah, (laughs) but that's the stuff that I am. It's, it's, and it's the same, I think for every parent, it's taking your kid to the zoo. It's those same experiences, except it's slightly different for us because we've been talking about it with him and he knows what these things are, but he's never experienced them. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm really excited to be able to do a lot of the, the experience stuff with him. One of the, the hopes that we have is we get to go home together so I can be on the plane with them together. Yeah. So 
you know, he, he loves airplanes. He's so into airplanes. I mean, you should, whenever they, whenever they hear an airplane fly overhead, this kid is screaming his head off, trying to say hello to the airplane. Like they could hear him. And you know, that's going to be an experience for him. And, and that's the kind of stuff where, you know, they, Megan and Enoch have so much, they're, they are just like, you know, two little pals and they are trotting across Ghana together and they are amazing. It's, it's the sweetest thing to watch this mom and this, this little boy, but the first time experiences here, that's the stuff I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, man. I just can't even imagine the feeling you're going to have when you're sitting on that plane with them. Yeah. It's going to be pretty incredible. So I have two last questions for you and then we'll wrap it up. How have you been how have you been there for your wife? Like, I know you guys talk a lot, but I mean, the emotional, she's been there. You've been home. Yeah. You've seen your family. Yeah. The the struggle of like excitement of I'm going to be a mom and oh, we're going to go home and oh, we're not. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go home and oh, we're not. So, I mean, clearly, you know, you have had up ups and downs as well. And I'm yeah. sure yelling matches with God. Yeah. But how have you come alongside and supported her? Hmm. I mean, I think first and foremost, it's the being available where I prioritize being available for her yeah. over just about anything. Yep. And, and it's okay. Today is, today's going to be a down day for Megan. Just, you know, I'll, I'll get on the phone and we're talking, it's a down day. So I, I'm going to make sure I'm available because there are some days where the, just the heaviness of what's, yeah. what's going on, it just yeah. hits her. Yeah. And, 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 and we both experienced that. I'm sure. Know? Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, Fridays, Saturdays are, are usually down days for us mm. because they're weekend days and nobody's working on the weekends. There's no, there's none of the busyness of life to keep you distracted. None of the busyness for, for me, you know, there, she, she homeschools Enoch and on the weekends, I don't even do that. Mm-hmm. So it's like some of those, even the routine stuff for her, yep. they don't have, and we know no one's working on our case. We know that our, our paperwork is not. Yeah. So there's not that hope piece there's, that something's yeah. being done. Cause you could imagine during a work day, somebody's yep. looking at somebody's it. Somebody's doing yeah. something. Yeah. Or we could be trying to get somebody to advocate for us. So you said it, be present for her because I think, I mean, I could be more present. Yeah. So that's the thing is it's so simple to say, but it's hard to do. So one one of the practical things um, that that I've done and because I hate, I hate being that guy where I'm in a, you know, I'm meeting with someone for coffee or whatever. We're having lunch where I have my phone sitting on the table. So mm. I, I know if I have a phone call, I, I can take it or whatever. And normally I don't do that. But if I, you know, especially if I know Megan's dealing with something or depending on the time of day, you know, whatever it is, you know, I, this summer I doing a lot of uh, lunches with, with students because there's not a lot that we can do with COVID. So right. we're doing a lot of outdoor dining with high school students. And I think almost every one of the high school students in the youth group has met Enoch through FaceTime because mm. that's when, you know, good night time is for them. Right. And I just say, hey, I'm gonna, this, this meeting is going to be interrupted because I got to say good night to my family. And everyone's just going to be okay with that. And that was something I learned from a mentor of mine where I just watched him do that. He would say to me, we'd meet for coffee and he'd say, hey, my wife is probably going to call me in the next hour and that's a phone call I'm going to take. So I'm putting my phone here. And... And that was really releasing for me to watch someone that I look up to. He's, you know, just this high capacity, you know, professional guy says, my wife calls, I'm going to take it. Yeah. That, that's an important one. Yeah. 
And that's good. And so I just felt that release of like, yeah, I can do that. And, and I've had even like my brother would say, I've never seen you not take her call. Hmm. And sometimes, you know, so, sometimes it happens, but um, as much as I possibly can, I, I'm present and available. And I'll just say, hey, excuse me, I got to take this and whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, being present and available. It's really good, man, because sometimes I get caught up in my week and I forget what's most important to yeah. me. So if you asked me or I wrote it down, yeah. I'd put it, you know, like in this order, you know, God, my wife, my kid, yeah. it'd be like a nice looking, you know, mm-hmm. checked all the boxes correctly. But then in my day, I see a phone call and I'm like, seriously, you're calling me right now? Yeah. Like I in the middle of. And like, who, who cares, yeah. you know? So I think it's such a good reminder to go, okay, what does it mean practically to be present yeah. And, to and it's keep not your like it's not straight. like I don't have those thoughts sometimes. Well, yeah, for sure. And she always but, knows. Am I bothering you? Right, because she can nope. hear it in your voice. Nope. But you're going to be on the phone for five minutes anyways. Yeah. So why not be present yeah. and available and engaged? Then just be pissed off for the five minutes. Yeah, because that takes a lot more energy yeah. than not. Yeah, man, so good. Okay, so this last question might be a little bit hard um, to see this far with all that you have yeah. had. But last question is legacy question, mm. right? So. 30 years from now, Enoch is now on his own. You've done all this work to get him here and be his dad. And you're like, dude, I don't even want to think about that. But the work that you've done, even now, right? Yeah. He's going to be hopefully on his own, maybe with a family. Yeah. What is the legacy that you want to leave that you peer into his life? Yeah. And you see this is the man that he's become because of the work that I did day in and day out. Yeah. What do you hope to see? Yeah. I think, um, you know, in our family, we, we have this value of uh, adoption is a big value for mm. us. And, and I think inherent to adoption, and that was a part of how we decided to pursue growing our family, is this care and love for vulnerable children. That's, that's what adoption is, you know? Yeah. And, and so we, that was kind of always the expectation was that wh- whoever our kids are and however we get them, that, that that's going to be a value we pass on to them. That's a legacy we leave mm. of uh, just being sensitive and open to loving people that are vulnerable. And what I'm thankful for, uh, the last three years have been, you know, pretty shitty. Yep, gnarly. But I would say there's a lot that we're thankful for because of it. We're thankful for the bonding that we have with our son. We're thankful for the things that he's learned, the way that we've been able to engage in his culture. But I'm really thankful that he he knows and he's going to have these clear, concrete memories of his his mom in his country mm. and of his dad coming to visit. Yeah. And he he was always going to know he's adopted. He doesn't look like us. <laughs> right. Uh, he was always going to know that. So adoption is always going to be a part of his story, but, but his story is going to be so, so tied to the work that, and, and uh, you said the work I've been doing. I, I, I give Megan most of the credit. She's doing the real heavy lifting here. Um, but the, 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 the sacrifice of, of that we've, we've given for him and, and I, we say it like it's this noble thing that we've chosen. We we fell into this. Right. This was not. And this is not what we would have yeah, chosen. Yeah, it's not the plan. Was not the plan at all. Um, and so I think the legacy that I hope for him is 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 what I said. Uh, just that that sensitivity, that openness to loving, caring, compassionate towards vulnerable people, and and I hope for him 
because of because of the last few years and the story and 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 just knowing what his parents have done, um, that that that's just draws that out of him even more. Yeah, yeah, man, beautiful, dude. It's I've learned so much talking to you just about how I could level up my own game as being mm-hmm. a dad and and the opportunity I have every day just to wake up and kiss my wife yeah. and kiss my kids mm-hmm. and check in with them and really say, how are you? And not just go two or three days with just, you know, Hey, what's up? Yeah. What was, how school today? How, okay, cool. You know? And so man, kudos to you guys for, and and I know you're giving kudos to Megan, which is what you're supposed to do. (laughs) But as a dude to not step into passivity as a young married couple to, to who's already sort of been shown emotional connection isn't as important to say, you know what though? It is important to me, even in the hardest of moments, right? So this culture of emotional connection that you want to create to do that on the other side of the world and figure out how to make that happen. And I think if us men could simply learn what it is that our spouse needs and then just be present in that need, even if it's just, I, even if it's a listening ear, yeah, and not always an answer because I'm sure you're not given answers very often. Cause no. what are you going to say? Oh, well, what about this, that, or the other? Yeah. Right. Now you yeah. definitely don't have, you know, it's like, I just need to hear where you're at. Yeah. Right. Cause and, and giving the space to ask the questions mm-hmm. without feeling like I have to answer. Yeah. Cause that, and that's something as a man, I think, you know, when, when Megan says, when do you think we're going to get home? When do you think we're going to get the visa? Well, I don't know. And I don't want to. I don't want to give her some false hope. Oh, it's going to be next week. I have this impulse where I want to solve the problem, yep. and I want to give her the timeline. And it's just I don't have an answer. But I, I need to give her the space to ask the questions mm-hmm. and not get upset and not get frustrated at not it. Not get frustrated. We're asking the same questions three years in or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I just want to say, dude, I am so hopeful with everybody else who knows your yeah. story that Thanks. this is sooner than later. Yep. Excited. Even just that you're going to get to go see them, you know, this weekend and be able to hold them and just the the beauty that you get to with that, you know, after eight months, it's a long time. So, man, hopefully, hopefully we'll be hearing good news soon. But thank you for your story and dude, for the dude, husband, father that you Mm -hmm. are. I think that you're doing a great job and setting a good tone for people who are coming up behind you. Mm -hmm. Thanks, man. Wow. Was that gnarly or what? Man, my hope and prayer is that Matthew and his wife and his son get to come home soon. And I can't wait to hear about his trip when he gets back. Hey, every Monday I put out a Fatherhood Field Notes podcast interviewing incredible dads. If you're interested in a shorter podcast, I put one out every Friday. It falls under Rebel and Create as Craft of Fatherhood, where I discuss a question, idea, thought that a father sends to me. My goal right now is to hit my 100th podcast and I'll be doing that in just a few weeks but I would like to hit 100 podcast reviews by then so if you could take a few minutes and write a review on iTunes and rate the podcast that would truly help me out to reach that goal of 100 so please take a moment to do that I want to say thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast What you do matters. Please do not be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. Talk to you next time.